Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the latest episode of Build Your Future podcast. Today, I have Mike McEwen on. He is the owner of Matrix Developments and also runs a service accommodation business with his wife, Carrie. Hello, Mike. Hi, Tom. Morning, everyone. How are we doing? You well? Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to a nice half marathon. We're training to do the London Marathon at the end of this month, so when I finish with you, we're going straight out running. <laughs> We've got a half marathon. Oh, well, and the rest of the wickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least it's yeah. a nice day, right? I looked at the weather this weekend, and it's all looking good, so... Yeah, yeah, lovely sunshine outside now at the moment. It's not too warm, so yeah, it's, it's perfect, no wind, yeah. Looking forward to it. Good stuff. Well, in the uh, property sphere, obviously, we kind of rub shoulders with a lot of the same people, been in the same sort of networks. I can imagine quite a, a decent amount of people knowing you and who you are and, and what you do. But within our audience, it's sort of kind of growing every week and we're getting new listeners on. So for the people that don't know who you are, do you want to give them a bit of kind of context as to maybe high-level um, what you're doing right now and then we can kind of strip it back to the start really as to how or why you decide to step into property and the, the process of kind of scaling that business and then how you stepped into developments if that's all good yeah no problem at all so we're currently on our uh, third site at the moment so we build in and around uh, sort of Herefordshire Gloucestershire Worcestershire um, and that's our main sort of network, really. So we're currently on our third site, which is uh, just outside Gloucestershire, just off the M15, in a lovely little village called Red Marley. Um, and it's actually our, our second stint there. So our very first site that we did um, back in 2020 uh, was just a three-house development um, in the village there. And we managed to um, get chatted to a landowner um, going back a couple of years, obviously now, um, and then fast forward to to where we are now. We're actually building nine houses uh, just on the outskirts of the village there. So um, yeah, it's all, all going well at the moment. We started that one in January. Oh, awesome, awesome! So we'll go into that bit of, uh, into a bit more detail because it's always interesting as we kind of say, kind of tell everyone what you do, and as you kind of said, they're talking to one landowner and then other opportunities open up. So it's always worth trying to kind of push those conversations. And I feel like a lot of people when they're starting out, if they're doing kind of their first development, they then don't feel kind of confident to continue to do that. But once you've kind of done one or two, you then have that proof of concept and you're a bit more kind of open to talking about it. So it just goes to show what opportunities can come. Uh, available to you by just kind of having these conversations saying yep we're still interested we're still in the market and also there you said you built it in 2020 so that will bring into the question of how did you get on building it through COVID and everything else so we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more detail but let's kind of wrap it back to the beginning how did you kind of first get into property and more importantly what kind of motivated you to do it well um so my wife and I, we were letting agents for um, for a long time, we had our own letting agency for sort of about eight years. We bought a going concern, continued to sort of run it and grow it. Um, so we're very familiar with the likes of HMOs, buy-to-lets, just about every sort of property strategy, uh, because when we sold that business, we then got into SA. So just about every property strategy we were sort of familiar with, um, apart from developments, really. And that was always the sort of the, the pinnacle um, certainly for me is where I wanted to sort of get to. And I think it all comes down to, to education, really. I sort of, you know, we had to go off and get ourselves um, educated to understand exactly what we we did know, which wasn't a lot, but certainly what we didn't know. Um, and then just from there, I tried to sort of identify if we were going to sort of go down this route, what, what we needed to do to sort of build a team. So as part of Matrix Developments, I'm one of four directors. We've got... Um, 
myself I look after the business finance the land sourcing funding um, and then we've got an architect and then two builders so we've all got our own little sort of um, you know set, set of roles and responsibilities and, and it seems to work in incredibly well and what it's done it's allowed um, it's allowed us to grow at, at quite a quick rate really because I look after the land sourcing and the funding side of things so once we have got a deal agreed and we we put a spade in the ground then and my my work starts again so the guys are on site building whilst i'm still continually sourcing land um structuring deals and and then getting the the pipeline full really for the for the guys to roll onto the next site and the next site so um so obviously to get to the stage that we're at now we had to you know get ourselves educated and we identified a few different sort of um people that were providing um this type of education um, and I've always been very sort of, um, if ever you see that person who's on a course, who sat at the back with their arms crossed, you know, <laughs> not a great face, um, almost like they've been dragged into the room. That that was me, a hundred percent. The benefit of, um, you know, we did a service accommodation course, you know, quite a few years ago, the back end of sort of 2018, 2019. And it was, um, yeah, and I was very much like that, but I started to come round to you know um, the way of thinking that you know you've got to get yourself educated, you've got to sort of understand that um, there's people out there that know an awful lot more than you. So through the SA world, we met some uh, property trainers that looked after developments. Um, obviously, Andy Cook and Lloyd Girardi, but Andy initially because they had um, their SA bits and pieces going on. Um, so I got to know Andy really well. That's so what you met, isn't it? Yeah, so when we came across to their, you know, their education and their development training course, felt very at ease, very comfortable, and you know, I already sort of, I'd already bought into their, um, their ethos really, and and you know, it was hundred percent sort of committed to it. I had to do the course twice <laughs> just to get my head around everything that's sort of involved. But yeah, no, they, they've been they've been superb for us, really. So yeah, I feel like it's quite nice when that sort of thing happens as well, because I feel like sometimes you can go on a We've said before where some companies will run for education free courses and they'll just kind of sell at you for a day, two, three days. And some people absolutely love it, but then other people it gets their backs up and they'll just have this wall up and they'll go, nope, not interested. And actually then kind of stops you from uh, absorbing probably some of the information, some of the knowledge. But then when you actually meet someone on a round table, you get talking about what you're doing and he kind of says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm working in developments. This is kind of some of the projects we've been working on, etc." It just feels so much more natural and they're kind of some of the best kind of connections I've made by just talking to the person on your left, talking to the person on your right at these networking events. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's exactly how it was for us. I mean, at the time, Kerry and I had a, a, a single plot next to one of our buy-to-let properties. Um, and at the time, we were obviously part of a service combination mastermind. So, yeah, quite often used to bounce ideas, you know, off Andy and um, and, and Ellie, who was there as well. And, um, you, you know, I think at that point, we were even considering possibly, um, once we had the plan, trying to, to build the property ourselves. Um, and then Andy started to sort of talk to us about things like economies of scale. And actually, probably it was going to be just as painful to perhaps build three or five houses as it would be to just build one house. So, um, mm. you know, we looked at it and we felt that uh, that was a, the, what really kick-started it. We, we sold that plot with the planning uplift and then we reinvested those funds then into um, obviously a bigger site for, for three properties. 
and 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 Andy was a hundred percent right. Really, it was just it was so much easier to to do that. Um, and when it comes down to sort of the day to day, um, you know, task management of the guys on site, you can you can jump them down the plots if you like the trades, so you don't lose these guys. And then it's trying to get this labour force back on site. If I suppose if you're just trying to do one property, um, and then once you're absolutely. As you know, you know it as well. You know, first fix, second fix, and whatnot. It, it's it's much more efficient. So, run us through this first plot of land. Then, so was this just the property that you guys had, and then you kind of saw that it had kind of a side garden? You thought, oh, here's an opportunity, or, or how did that come about? Well, I think we, we spent. So I say we. So we started a development company in sort of 2019. The the builders and and the architects and I used to meet every month, and we used to sort of discuss different bits and pieces, different opportunities. The architect's been through the same um, training as an education as me, and the the builders were more of um, a sort of build one, sell one mindset. So you know we were we were trying to sort of meet in the middle with what um, their experience was, and then obviously what what the concept was that we were trying to deliver. So we used to meet every month, and I think we were trying to sort of initially reinvent the wheel. We were trying to find this this big site, this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that nobody else had, had discovered or nobody else had, had thought of. And I, and I think you quickly learned that those sites, you know, they're a slow burn. They they take weeks and months and even years um, to sort of come to fruition. And it's good to have a pipeline of sites without planning. So we've always got that. But we've also got a, a pipeline of sites with planning. So our very first site was mm-hmm. um, was it was full planning for three detached houses um, in Red Marley, as I said, just outside Gloucestershire. And it had been to auction. Um, it was priced uh, really quite high. It was originally the the garden of an existing property, um, really long garden, but called a narrow site and. And it had, like I said, it had been to auction, probably with the wrong agent. They had sold the existing house and they talked to the landowner into then trying to put the plots through auction as well. And I just don't think it was the right audience. Um, it was more sort of um, an agricultural auctioneer. So, you know, the type of people that sell sort of pl- uh, farm machinery, all those sort of bits and pieces, and then plonked in the middle of their plots for sale was um, some <laughs> development land. So it really didn't go very well. The agent had struggled to sell it basically. And I think they're on the verge of losing the instruction and we just found it on right move. So we started to, um, to look on right move a lot. I, I chatted to the guys at white box because obviously then being part of a network, a lot of people contrary to popular belief had found quite a lot of successful sites, just, just on right move. Nothing um, more mm. strenuous than that really. And I think what we did, we entered into a dialogue with the agent. We told them what our position was we um, were able to fund the site fortunately between the four of us. And th- and this is quite an important point, really. I think had I just been on my own off the back of a course, you know, you see so many people, I've got some education, um, but then to go off and, and try and do a development on my own, there were so many different areas and there still are that I really just, I couldn't have covered myself. So having these guys in, you know, with that experience all together, it also meant that we could pool our funds. So we were able to secure that first site, uh, full planning for three detached houses. Yeah. Um, and we paid 300 K for it really, you know, good size executive houses, uh, but it was quite a tight site. And I think that had also put some people off as well. So I think we worked out after that site <clears throat> once we'd completed there um, and actually finished the build that we'd probably maybe spend an additional month or two 
literally just lifting and shifting things and moving things just because it was so tight to, to sort of work in. But again, I think development is all about overcoming hurdles that not everybody else is able to, or not everybody else is willing to tackle. And it seems to be that there's always a chink in the armor mm-hmm. of every site that you look at. It can be things like, you know, utilities, services, access, um, lots of different bits. And they're all, you know, as you well know, Tom, the different sort of hurdles. And if you, if you can crack that, you know, the, the back of that, then I think um, that's where you can sort of make a site really work for you that others probably, you know, would pass up. Completely agree. It's the ability to adapt and overcome, and that's what kind of leads to entrepreneurship, and that equally leads to the value as well, right? If you're kind of an employee in the nine-to-five and something doesn't go well, you can kind of go, uh, well, it's not really my issue, it's not my money, or I'll pass it on to the manager. They get paid more than me to deal with it, and there's all kind of these implications sort of thing. But when it's your own site, it's your own money, it's you know all that time that you've invested, you'd be like, okay, here's the issue. How do you go about overcoming this and moving forward? And actually, it's the ability to overcome, move forward. You've then taken those learnings, be it, as we just said, they're kind of services, utilities, or whatever it is, and then you then learn that for the next one. So you then apply it to the next one, so then those issues don't come up again, or then then I'm sure there'll be different issues in the second one, but then you're learning that the next time. And equally, it's the power of having the right people around you as well, as you say. And I say it's a lot that I think a lot of people they want all of the pie and people are so keen to maintain the whole pie that they end up not doing anything. And so actually you're better off, you know, having a quarter of the pie or half the pie, bringing in other individuals with other skill sets. So you just said there, be it architects, town planners, um, QSs, builders, etc. And then as you just said there about having the pipeline, you're then able to focus on finding the next site, doing the next site while they're then focusing on the building. And then you're able to put on each other's skill sets as well. So I think it's definitely important, one, to have the right power team, but equally the right mindset to overcome these obstacles and hurdles. Yeah, 100%. And I think I'm fortunate that I knew these guys um, on a personal level. Um, I think some you know, some people, are, as you say, they want to keep 100% of the, the pie and they're not prepared to sort of, you know, to, to go outside of that. And that's fine. And then you get the end of the other extreme where you get some people that you know they'll enter a room and, and, and they want to jv with everybody they you know and they, they want to sort of you know perhaps you know take on a project with somebody that they've just met which you know <laughs> development is difficult development is really hard and i think that you know i've had to um I've had to really lean on on these guys and, and and they've had to lean on me as well and i think because we've already had that personal sort of relationship um that i think i think i was more comfortable and able to work with these these guys because when the going gets tough it does get really tough and i think that if you don't know an individual and you, and you sort of um you take a project on together you're you're tied in legally you're tied in financially and i think that um when developments go well they go incredibly well but you know even the best developments there are still some struggles um and 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 we talked about when when we we pick up a site initially and there's some hurdles to overcome and if you think you can crack that you take the project on and, and you know other people perhaps wouldn't have, wouldn't have done and it it's the same when you're in it there's little hurdles all the time you've got to get permission to do different bits and pieces perhaps from an adjoining landowner there's that dilemma to solve there's a utility dilemma to solve um to give you an example the, the site we've just completed in north herefordshire that was eight houses um we had to negotiate with a landowner to pull our services across so 
um, our water and our electricity and um, the initial uh, negotiations with one landowner broke down we had to go over you know a different route um, that led to us having to speak to a farmer who partway through negotiations um, unfortunately passed away um, so then we're having to sort of obviously deal with um, the estate and and in the meantime you know you've got guys on site you've still got to try and deliver this project you're still trying to sort of you know take yeah. on the build and, and and there's all these little bits and pieces that you sometimes you know I've not got much of it left but you know you're pulling your hair out and and you don't really know um you know how to sort of um solve the particular dilemma that you're up against and I think it's at that point you really do rely on the guys that you've sort of teamed up with um so yeah we're in, incredibly lucky that like I say when we're on site and we're building my work is generally done at that point and I'm on to the next one. And the site we're on at the moment, uh, we wrote to that landowner, like I said, a couple of years ago, whilst the guys were on site building the, the first site out, I was negotiating this deal. Um, and then what we do we just, is when we, we get the positive planning um, uh, approval, then obviously we slot them into our pipeline of sites that have got planning. Um, and for us, it just seems to, to, to work really, really well. And I think if you go back to the, the example you said there, where you've got, somebody who wants you know all of the pie and they're not willing to sort of share or sort of go out outside of that i think i identified you know in the early days that i don't consider myself to be uh, very well educated i'm certainly not an intellect and if anything i'm able to sort of identify all the things i'm not very good at um perhaps better than than somebody who is more of an intellect and is well educated because i think sometimes it's the that that type of individual perhaps that maybe thinks they don't need external assistance and can perhaps do, do all the land sourcing, you know, obtain all the funding, project manage the build and all these different mm. bits and pieces. And, and I, I know, you know, sort of identified in the early days that there was absolutely no way that I could deliver any development without the help of others. And I think that's allowed us to, to grow at such a, you know, a fast rate, you know, organically, organically sensibly, but, you know, at a rate that we can sustain. And now, you know, it, it's led to us, we've probably got work for about the next four or five years, you know, guaranteed, which, I, you know, I think oh, wow. in development is, is superb. Yeah, that's awesome. So out of interest then, the you said that in terms of sticking to your skill set, the source and the finance, etc. but obviously you've built a few sites now, you've worked closely with a team. Do you kind of go to site and try to absorb that sort of information just try and get like a further and deeper understanding of those elements or kind of do you put your hands up and go you know what i'm going to stay in my lane and to let them crack on with those elements yeah there's an element of both really i think what i didn't want to do straight away is is um is be like that excited kid on on christmas day you know wow i've got a building site and and just go there all the time and basically just get in everybody's way so you know we we do structure yeah. in such a way that at least two days a week i would go to site um, you know, once we've got an office okay. set up there and welfare and internet and all those sort of bits and pieces. And I found it really, really useful because I was able to sort of oversee the, the type of problems that the guys have, um, you know, and, and then I was able to help with things like material sourcing. Once I understood what we needed and when we needed it and who we should be speaking to about it, then, you know, I was able to grow that, that network and that side of things as well. And I think that, you know, the guys found that really useful. So it could have been quite easy for me to stay working in my office at home never go to site and and i but i think that i would never learn and i would never develop and i think it, it's been really useful for me to go and sort of um 
understand what the guys are up against on site. And then, yeah, like I say, to sort of identify where I can then also help. Um, uh, it might be helping to, like I say, uh, source materials and, and also sort of um, labour and different bits and pieces. And I think that's been quite interesting because I've got a buy-to-let portfolio and obviously we had our letting agency. You know, there are a lot of trades, guys that I know that have done bits and pieces for us in the past. And, and actually, I've used those contacts to our advantage and they've now come to yeah help us on site as well. Nice. Yeah, I, I think that's a good answer in the in the sense that you have an opportunity in front of you, right? You've got this site and it's an opportunity to further your skills, further your knowledge and, okay, you're never going to become uh, someone that owns a construction company, etc. But there's still kind of skills that you could be learning while that opportunity presents itself to you and skills that you'll continue to take on for your next future developments of the next five, six, 10, 20 years or however long you want to be going for. So just kind of bolting on those skills and that knowledge and being on site and as you just said there seeing the day-to-day of what impacts be it the schedule of works that they got to complete or the materials plans and uh, the gantt charts of when these are to be delivered to site etc i think all those things again just kind of bolt on skill sets to further enhance the value and obviously what you bring to the table as well yeah 100 percent. and I, f- I found it really really interesting and obviously because i manage the cash flow as well and then every month you see certain sort of payments going out for different bits and pieces and I would, you know, be constantly badgering the guys. Obviously, we meet every month, but you know, in between that, we sort of um, are together every week, really. And you know, I would identify um, certain payments going out, and I, you know, I'd be like, "What's that? Why are we doing that?" <laughs> and 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 it was interesting, really, and more surrounding the the plant hire, really, because obviously, it's an incredible amount of plant that you need to be able to sort of, you know, certainly to deliver an, an eight house development. So. You know, yeah. we quickly identified that with the amount of money that we spent on plant hire, for example, that, you know, if I was able to do some work to to sort of source our own uh, plant, that we could dramatically reduce that. It would help our cash flow. But also then, you know, we're, we're also then building assets. Um, we managed to keep one of the properties on um, our first site. I was hoping to try and keep, um, you know, one or two properties with every development that we do. So, you know, keen to build assets in that respect but then also obviously with the, the plant and different bits and pieces as well it just gives us um so much more flexibility with um, being able to deliver different bits and pieces because obviously we can prioritize our our own size and for for a time um at the turn of the year you know we we had two sites running concurrently and that was again another level that i sort of wanted us to be able to get to is where we could actually um be on site in two different locations and still manage the projects, you know, efficiently. So yeah, obviously mm. growing all the time and, and, and a lot of that has come from being on site and just listening and just taking in your surroundings and just seeing what else, you know, we can do to sort of yeah, deliver things um, quicker, more efficiently, all those sort of bits and pieces really very, very interesting. It's just my only thing with it is that it just never seems to be enough hours in the day. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I think many people struggle with that, right? But yeah, no, it's been really interesting to see kind of your growth over the last few years. Obviously, we've known each other for a, a good amount of years now and how you guys kind of grow and scale into developments and the conversation we're having now, obviously, we wouldn't have been able to have kind of four years ago. So it's been really awesome to see. Run us through then, because it feels like it's been a bit of a baptism of fire. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe, maybe I'm not interested to hear more. Obviously, you got into developments. I'd say probably one of the hardest times COVID was kicking off, cost of living's rising, 
um, build costs due to the you know the everything that's kind of going on in the world. Build costs have just been going astronomical and increasing exponentially. So all these things, obviously, as a developer, impact you not only on the sales and the back end, but on the front end build as well. So kind of interesting to see how you kind of managed, yeah, COVID and then obviously the rising build costs and everything in between. Well, it's an interesting point, really, because I think the, with COVID, the um, with the first lockdown, we were due to have our timber frames just delivered at that point on the first site. So, um, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so it was obviously a little bit of a, a, a tricky time, but again, this this comes back to the the team because I've partnered with two builders. Obviously, these builders they they don't work for anybody now other than matrix developments um and that was always the case so they're always going to be the first ones on site they're always going to be the last to leave they're always going to obviously be prioritizing our work so even when times got tough because they're multi-skilled tradesmen we were able to keep our build ticking over um obviously following the sort of lockdown restrictions and bits and pieces because all the guys were working effectively the site was big enough to work you know in isolation it obviously it did impact the um the schedule um as i said the the timber frames were due to be delivered at that point and in fairness i think in the grand scheme of things we probably lost about eight weeks so a 12-month project turned into sort of 14 months um so i think we were incredibly lucky i think had i been that person that wasn't prepared to to share any of the pie, if you like, I would have been reliant upon uh, builders coming back, uh, tradesmen, all these other bits and pieces, you know, when it suited them. And and their incentives would have obviously have been different. I think because these guys were as committed, um, you know, um, not just financially, but committed anyway, um, you know, it was, it was, it was their priority to just keep things going. Um, Obviously, a, at all costs and I think that was a testament to everybody really that you know we grew as a team and you know um a lot quicker than I think if everything would have gone sort of swimmingly and and I think that stood us in good stead then to be able to take on a much larger development so we went from building three houses over COVID to then we took on an eight house development which was you know incredible and a huge jump and I don't think we could have done that if we hadn't gone through that initial difficult period. Um, and, and I mean, as COVID seems such a diff- distant memory now, doesn't it? But I mean, if we, we look back, it was mm. um, such an uncertain time and obviously in a lot of respects, you know, we, we struggled like every, <laughs> like everyone out there that was trying to deliver a project, you know, you, you couldn't get plaster, you couldn't get different bits and pieces, you know, and, and it was, and when you could get it, you had to pay, you know, through the nose for it so th- these were all challenges that that a lot of other people had but again I, I couldn't I don't think I could have coped had I just been in isolation or just on my own trying to d- deliver a project and, and had outsourced everything we really did I think do incredibly well as a team and that's I think we that gave us the foundation then to to sort of to take on the next thing and the, you know the next thing nice that's the thing as well isn't it if you kind of look back and I go okay these certain things were hard, these certain things were tough, but actually it forms that bond moving forward. If everything went easy, swimmingly, etc., then you probably wouldn't have kind of developed the, the same sort of way, right? Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> for our first sight as well, it was just at one point, you know, you're sat there thinking, what else, what else is going to get thrown at us? Yeah. <laughs> but the, I think, again, I think at that point as well, because these guys are so well connected, we'd already started to form a really good team in, in as much as the labour force. So obviously we con- we have a lot of contractors that, that do different bits and pieces for us. And those trades are very loyal. And they've also, um, if you can imagine it, we use a pool of self-employed guys that love working together. And if you get one or two mm. onto a site, they all want to come because they all want to work together. So they're, they're their own their own sort of, um, they're like colleagues really, because although they're their own, in, you know, self-employed individuals, their own entity, if, you know, if you get the, if you get the the roofer in, then the joiners want to come as well because they love they all just love working together. And then the plumber works with those guys, and then you get the electrician. And um, again, what we find is that they prioritise our work to all work together. Nice. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, it makes sense. It's like having kind of a small little construction team where they're they're all self employed, but actually because they enjoy working with each other, everyone wants to work with their mates, right? So yeah. obviously they probably deliver on the work, but also actually enjoy the company which in which they're working with as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it was only from being on site myself that I I sort of picked that up pretty quickly. So as soon as we would get to a stage where we might need um some more chippies to come across straight away. You've got the Sparky coming over and he's saying, oh, you know, have you, have you spoken to Tom and Pete? And, you know, I, I was with them the other day and, and he's helping you almost to get them to, to sort of come across to, to sort of fill that void. So, yeah, again, we, we, we've we been incredibly lucky with that. Well, like I say, they've um, got a really good it's, group. It doesn't make sense, right? I mean, for anyone that's worked in an office job, you're going to have some colleagues that you probably like and some colleagues that you probably don't. And, when you find out that the colleagues that you like are in, you're like, oh, fantastic. And when the ones that you don't, you go, ah, oh, I might see if I can work from home today sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's just human nature, right? It all makes sense. Out of interest, and if you don't mind sharing, kind of what was the GDV of that site? Uh, so the first site? Yeah. The the three house build, yeah. So the GDV um, originally, so we sold... Um, so it was 1.6 was the overall GDV in the end, but we had underestimated really how strong the house prices there were in that particular area because it's about, I mean, it's a, it's about two minutes from the M50 and about 10 minutes from the, the M5. Um, there's also um, Harbury College, which is close by, which is very you know, sports and equestrian um, private college, which is, is very well sought after. So house prices there are really strong. So, from when we took the project on initially, I think we thought about sort of 1.2 be the GDV, and actually it was 1.6. Yeah, and and I, we saw a huge reduction in where we anticipated we would be with the labour um, side of things. Yes, obviously materials went up and became difficult to get, but because we've got the guys on the ground, the actual builders um, on the tools, um, even now, you know, with the larger sites, but certainly on that particular one, it was always going to be on the basis that they would be on the tools. Um, we, the, the the cost savings that we made versus our projections were, were really quite incredible. So it was a, overall, it was a very, very successful project. And it was a great foundation for us to sort of push on. Awesome. No, that's really positive. Obviously, it's had its trials and tribulations, as you said there, but then the results speak for themselves. And I can imagine that being quite motivating for your first side going like, oh you know we've smashed this which is really 
positive and good news. So you're saying that you did you say you retained one of those properties out of the three? Yes. So um, to the development, uh, so that was our we. Um, I mean, we build now using private investor funds, but that that first site we had to we had to be able to demonstrate that we could we could do it to be able to access the private funds moving forward so we used development finance on that first site and i think when the it was when the second house sold everything was paid off and you know we all had a good sort of profit share at that point and it allowed us to keep um to keep one of the properties which we then um let out and and the rents there are again because it's such a good area um and um there's not much um available in the village and a brand new property we were able to achieve a really good rent on the last house um, and then we just went through the process of getting a limited company buy-to-let mortgage, which at the time, um, I mean, that in the end took 18 months to get. So that was a huge learning curve in itself. Um, so wow. just for anybody that's listening, if, if you do um, if you do look to exit from a development and you sell off some of the plots and then want to retain um, some properties or a property, it's incredibly difficult to get a limited company buy-to-let mortgage at that point uh, a lot of the lenders we spoke to they would only lend uh, once the titles had been updated at land registry and i think at the time it was about an 18 month delay and i think even now it's going up to sort of two years so i think that was our naivety we we chose the wrong product to try and um get some lending on that house but it allowed us to you know we had um full rent coming in for that house for sort of 18 months you know with no with no mortgage to pay so that that was great for cash flow too Nice. What was the decision then in terms of why are you just going to sell that property, take the cash, build up your own kind of cash pot and then use that to reinvest into the next opportunities? What made you want to just kind of retain it as a, as a buy to let? Well, because of my letting agent background and, and, and trying to build assets, um, I was always very keen to try and keep one of the properties if I could persuade the other guys. Um, and we did have it sold and it, it, it fell through the individual circumstances that changed. Um, they pulled out and, and we were we were in a position then where we'd already secured funding for the second site. We were already over there. We didn't we didn't have to sell it. Um, and then we were approached by the agent to say they had a, a gentleman who would like to rent it. And he was going through a divorce and he said that, you know, in the future, maybe 12 months, he would he would hopefully be in a position to be able to buy it. Um, and that's exactly oh, what nice. we did. So let the property to that individual and actually the the sales going through now as we speak so um yeah he he managed to get himself into a position where awesome. he was able to the, set up again and, and and look to buy it so it suited us and suited him nice so it all worked out well in the end oh fair yeah. enough so then run us through do you also had that on a buy to let mortgage would you be interested in doing kind of development to sa kind of combining your two skill sets and knowledge or is that something that you'd rather just kind of build to sell? It, it a lot of it depends on the locations and how strong the house prices are. At, like I say, at Red Marley, the house prices there are are, are very strong, and I think that it, it doesn't necessarily always pay to keep the properties. So you, the build to rent strategy, I think it's it, it's location dependent. So where we are now, uh, just finishing off in North Herefordshire, um, we had. Um, all eight houses sold and then when they were completed uh, we did have a couple of buyers drop out so i did say to the the guys you know i think maybe we should keep one or two 
if they'll let me. They always laugh at me because they think I just want to keep everything and not sell anything. <laughs> so why don't we keep, keep one or two and, and try them on the SA market? And, and that's exactly what, what we started to do. And we got Carrie involved. Um, she sort of furnished one and we did it more as a, a show home. So, you know, if it did sell, then great. But also it allowed us to sort of SA it as well. And and we have got a well, site that's amazing, that's 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 over in, already in there, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like pulling everybody's sort of skill sets, really. But we have got a site in planning over in Gloucester for 21 apartments. It's been in planning for over 12 months. And, you know, fingers crossed we're going to get there. But that will be for an apart hotel. So that will be a true build to SA. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. That's really exciting. So how did that opportunity come around and the, the 21 unit apartment? Okay, so with our service accommodation business, I was approached by a lady who had um, two rooms available above her pub in Gloucester, um, and she she she'd seen our website and she'd spoken to somebody that she knew and she saw what we were doing in Hereford, and um, she wondered if we'd be interested, you know, in going across to, to sort of Gloucester, and um, and and you might think, you know, is it worth looking at two rooms above a pub? <laughs> you know, in a neighboring town. Um, and, and I always go and, you know, have these conversations. You never know where it's going to lead. And, and then lo and behold, I spoke to the, uh, the lady there. We put her two rooms um, on as SA. They do incredibly well. Um, and she asked what else we did. And I said, you know, we're involved in developments. And she said, oh, I've got a, a site. She said, um, we did, recently did a, a commercial Terezi development. So they've got two office blocks turned into two houses and the outlook is an old um disused factory and she said we'd love somebody to come along and, and knock all that down and put some some nice apartments there or a nice development so because i bothered myself to go over to to gloucester from hereford had a conversation and a coffee with this lady helped her with the sa dilemma i was then able to to pick this site up um, you know, it had never been anywhere near the market. She'd never spoken to an agent. She said it's just something that that, that they were looking at potentially doing, and would we be interested? Um, and then, you know, fast forward again, three years, we've exchanged on an option. We're in planning, um, and you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, we're we're going to get a positive um, approval there, and and that'll be phenomenal. A twenty-one bed apart hotel on on Gloucester Keys. Um, I mean, the, the location is incredible, but we were able to solve that lady's dilemma and, and obviously it helped us, to, you know, with, with the site as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just goes to show, first of all, the, the ability to be proactive in finding these opportunities and then equally the, the ability to be around as well in the sense that you're here for a, a long time. I think people kind of get into something and then they kind of go rushing out the floodgates and then they kind of give up after a few months but actually you've been doing certain combination for a few years and then start kind of doing developments and then over that time it's kind of grown your name's kind of grown and uh, to the point where people are then coming to you opposed to you having to go out to them so it's kind of that that nice balance of everything then coming together yeah 100%. so run us through then the so the option agreement so oh yeah, so I was just going to quickly say, just run us through that option agreement. So how did you structure it in terms of, was it kind of like a, a three-year option while you kind of went through planning permission with a fixed price on the back end? Or how yeah, did you so, kind of structure so, that? Um, so what we do is obviously we, we, we meet with the client and we say that we obviously the um, 
we need a period of exclusivity because we're going to be obviously committing our time and funds to be able to obtain the planning. So the benefit from their point of view is that um, we're going to cover all the, the, the planning costs and we're going to take the risk. Um, but obviously we need exclusivity. So they sign an, an option agreement. So I think that one was a, a three-year exclusivity period with an, the opportunity to sort of extend for a year. Um, you know, we meet with these guys quite regularly. It's a it's a brother and sister actually. So they've got um, they did the commercial to resi development uh, for two houses. So they obviously they've got a house each. So um, we meet with those guys quite regularly. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it's unlikely they would sell that site to anybody else because we've got such a good relationship. So it's good to obviously get yeah. all the the eyes dotted and the t's crossed and you know and everything covered legally. However, it is all about building relationships. Um, so we know that if we needed to extend, you know, beyond the period of the option that, that we could do because we've put the legwork in um, to, you know, build confidence. So that one, I think, was a three-year exclusivity period with the option to extend for a year. We exchange initially um, just on a pound because we say, look, we're not going to be paying you an option fee, at, you know, before we even get planning. You need to allow us that period of time to sort of invest funds and in different bits and pieces and, and use that time. So uh, we exchange on a pound and, and we do it on the basis that once we get a positive planning decision within 30 days, then we will pay 10% of the purchase price and then we will then pay okay. the balance within six months. So um, that then allows us the opportunity to, to raise funds um, and the finance, but also to slot it into our pipeline. So it might be that, you know, if we'd have got positive planning decision on on that one in january we were just about to start our nine house build development in gloucester so we can't obviously do both at the same time i wouldn't want to so the six month element just gives us the flexibility to slot it into where we need we just say that we'll complete um on or before that that particular day um there is um there is some overage to pay on that one as well it was quite early days when we were you know in our journey and we sort of agreed to small sort of overage um with that one so when the last apartment is completed i think we'll pay um an additional i think it's an additional five percent but in the grand scheme of things it's an incredible development we're not paying a huge amount i don't think for the opportunity to to have um that you know a vehicle like that that will cash flow um incredibly well nice in terms of the planning fees, were they deductible from the purchase price or were they just in, in addition to? Yeah, no, it, it's it's in addition. Um, that I think it's more sort of, I think a larger site is a promotional agreement. Um, it's generally done on the basis that you would deduct the um, the planning fees um, and then obviously agree, you know, whatever it is, a profit split or whatever. But this, this particular deal, no, I think it was because... Um, I don't think we're paying a huge amount for the site. We were able to sort of build that in with our, our projection. So again, from the landowner's point of view, nice. they've got no risk um, and they get their obviously full purchase price as well. Oh, interesting. How does the overage work on something like an apart hotel then? Because usually what you'd see is you'd get planning permission for, let's say five, three beds and you've cost them all up at 300 grand. And then once they're built and they're then worth, 340 grand let's say then there'll be an uplift of that overage but with the part hotel how does that work so a lot of it is is obviously done is done on 
sort of trust and communication and, and instructing our solicitors to deliver exactly what we need sort of outside of the option agreement, really, because originally we were going to go in for a C-free um, application on that one. Um, and what it meant was with a C-free residential that we were going to have to give away an element of um, the apartments were obviously affordable and different bits and pieces. And that isn't then conducive to trying to run an apart hotel or, the, or run the other um the other apartments as um, SA. So we actually pulled the C3 um, application out, went back in for C1. I had to um, demonstrate, you know, our track record of being able to run service accommodation at that level, which obviously, you know, we've already got an apart hotel in Hereford. So I was able to do that quite comfortably. But what we agreed at that point with the landowner was that, look, when the last apartment is built, we've pre-agreed a value on what these apartments are going to be worth and the percentage is that we will pay as an overage it's just based on that pre-agreed value and again i think okay. because we've got such a good relationship rather than it being transactional and everything done through solicitors and the solicitor you know advising those guys to get you know absolutely anything and everything they can we've just worked it out between ourselves just through like i say just having that good relationship really yeah, it makes life so much easier when you're able to sit around a table, cup of coffee, pull out the notepad or Excel spreadsheet or whatever and just gonna say, right, this is my thoughts, what do you think? And they'll go, oh, actually, I quite like, you know, A, B and C, but can we try and change D and E, for instance? Yeah, sure, let's try and figure it out and we'll, we'll sort it out and come to an agreement. So if sisters come involved and you are immediately on the back foot, aren't you? Because then they're having conversations. Everyone's going to speak into each other's ears. There's no then direct communication, which then breaks down. And it can then kind of take far longer and actually far harder than it should have ever been in the first place. Move. Are you there, Mike? There we go. So moving yeah, on from yeah, that then. So let's kind of run... Am I back? Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, just moving on from that then. So run us through the nine. So is it nine units you're currently working on now, is it? Yes. Yeah. So um, the site oh, actually sat outside of the, the, the settlement boundary. Um, so we had to obviously um, take a, a slightly different route. The landowner was originally told they would never get planning because of that fact and I think that we just hit it at the right time um I mean even one of the planners you know said to us if you'd have put this site in for planning um 18 months two years ago you know you just wouldn't have got it but because there's such a demand for for housing in, in that area they allowed us to um to come outside of the, the settlement boundary obviously it did go to committee um yeah as a lot of developers will find that you're not always that well liked in the smaller communities um so the <laughs> It did create a lot of hustle and bustle, uh, but we did win and we got the positive decision. Uh, I think it was seven to two. Um, and even the original sort of guys that looked at the site for us said that you are going to struggle to get a positive decision on this one. Um, so again, it's it's at that point really where, because there's four of us and we can pool our funds and it's not such a stretch um, as if we were trying to do it on our own. It, you know, if you're going to go out and commit sort of 20, 30 grand, to a site to try and get planning if you're doing that on your own and you do that multiple times you know there's an awful lot of of outlay that you've got to potentially risk whereas again for our little model we took a punt and we said okay right between it between the four of us 
um, we think we've got a, a fair to moderate chance to, to be able to get this. Um, again, built up a really good relationship with the um, the landowners there. They knew people that sat on the parish council, and a, a lot of it then just came down to to timing, really. So uh, we uh, we have had to obviously provide some affordable housing there as well. So we've got uh, six six units and then uh, we'll be handing over two one-bedroom apartments and one two-bedroom house um which is absolutely fine because the houses we're building opposite um they're already owned by the uh, gloucester rural housing association so um you know it might be that they'll fit into their little portfolio and that obviously from from their point of view they're already obviously sending people to maintain these existing houses so to add a couple more probably you know, economies of scale probably probably makes sense. So we 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 learned an awful lot um, in obtaining the the planning for a site like that, and it just goes to show that you know there's there was quite a lot of camps that said you won't get that, you won't get a positive decision there. And again, it's probably an opportunity that other developers would have passed up. We we sort of took it on, and and, and like I say, we 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 did really well. Always tough with stuff like that, and obviously, congratulations on getting that. It's, if kind of if you can have lean on professionals, and professionals are saying, "Oh, you're not going to get planning permission on this, and you shouldn't really bother," sort of thing. And then sometimes you just have to kind of back yourself and say, "No, actually, from my experience or my knowledge, I think that there's an opportunity here, and I'm willing to take the punt." Then again, that's what will make you stand out above other developers or, or other people not willing to take that risk. With that risk comes that reward, right? Yeah, 100%. And what I think I learned is that there's an awful lot of very, very clever, well-educated people that, you know, external consultants. um, And and if you get the right one, um, they love a challenge as well. And they love to go up against, um, you know, their intellectual equals and and be able to sort of quote case law and and all these, you know, and and that is a a skill set and an expertise that is way above where any of us sit and and we just like we've got our really good group of um trades on site we've also now got a really strong collection of external consultants um which is it's like a war chest like an armory that as soon as you come up a particular up against a particular sort of problem then with the next one you know exactly who to speak to and it, in a lot of respects then they are already familiar with with that particular site or it also it works the other way where they bring opportunities to us as well which is quite interesting so yeah i know it's um and and this oh, is that's sure. what i love about it i love that challenge it's so interesting it's nice to have that ace up that sleeve as well isn't it yeah yeah it really is and i think that um that's what gives you the buzz and the you know the smile and sort of like the motivation to think, yeah that something that you've tackled something like that and again we're, we're going through it all the time we've got two in planning at the moment and on both we've been asked to um to withdraw our applications and i'm like no no we won't we'll you know we'd rather a, a refusal um and i think with the 21 bed apartment we were asked to take that out and as soon as we said no they gave us a six-month extension so there's so many people out there that maybe don't know any better that would withdraw their application and go all the way back to print yeah. and just, you know, go into somebody's workflow and it would never happen. So, yeah. That's where people's, again, 
knowledge and that time, obviously, that experience comes into play where if you get told, oh, this is going to get refused, if you don't withdraw it, it's not going to look good for you, so just withdraw it sort of thing, then that's kind of the council trying to bluff you into withdrawing and it saves them a whole whole load of work, a whole load of headache. And you can imagine if you're a planning officer in the council, you probably have about 30 sites, if not more, that you're dealing with trying to manage. And so if you can get 10%, 20% to just withdraw their application, well, fantastic. You've just reduced your workload quite significantly. So that's what they always try and do and push. And actually, sometimes it pays to push back and say, if you uh, refuse this, then we'll appeal it. And because uh, obviously one way or you say, no, we're going we're to stick in with, with the planning application and see what happens and go along with the journey. Yeah, and that's it. And, and, and I think somebody said to me um, a few years ago is, is just enjoy the journey. And we do see it as, I mean, it's a bit flippant, but a, li- a little bit of sport because, <laughs> just, yeah. and, and there is, and I think you do learn so much. And I think that you, it's also how you, you get taken seriously as well. Um, if you refuse to go away and you continue to, to do everything that you can to, you know, to to get the best chance of um, of getting these sites across, then you know I think literally you have just got to stick stick at it, really, definitely. For sure, if you look at a lot of the major house builders, that's exactly what they'll do. They will push sites. They will attend council meetings. They'll put a lot of pressure on the council. They'll hire QCs in, as you just said, there to kind of tie them up in knots with legal jargon of as per case 1.26 b yeah. section 2 sort of thing and it's kind of it's, it's impressive and crazy to see at the same time but actually you think well if that's what they're doing and they're, they're being aggressive and they're winning these sites and getting them over the line then obviously obviously there's, there's a line to tip where you don't want to piss them off where any other future sites you might scup yourself but equally there's that opportunity to push back and challenge and not just roll over yeah a hundred percent and I think we're seeing that certainly with the apart hotel you know c one application I think Gloucester city council um they were hit um just over twelve months ago with um with a cyber attack on their planning portal um so it's sort of tied oh, wow. up in knots. I think they've got a lack of expertise there anyway and I, and I just don't think they understood the um the application and I think you know resources are difficult aren't they i think certainly in those worlds you've got people working at home covid you know had obviously an impact they're not the quickest anyway so all of these different bits and pieces Mm. and i think as you said there we just sat in somebody's workflow and if you can if you can reduce that by getting people to withdraw their applications you are going to obviously chance your arm but no every single time we've pushed back and we've had extension after extension and, and everything we've been asked to sort of tackle you know we've we've been able to but but again it's it's not been a cheap exercise we've had to risk a lot not just time but you know a considerable amount of funds have gone into that particular project but it's also the time i've spent an awful lot of time on on that with the landowners you know external consultants and and i wouldn't have been able to do that if i was also on site trying to manage a build as well Mm, for sure for sure it's interesting that they does a seems like a strange website to have a cyber attack on, but equally, if you look at most council websites, they look like they were built in the eighties. So, from a cyber attacker's point of view, they're probably quite easy to uh, to get into. Well, I did think it was strange. I thought if I had the expertise to cyber hack, um, I certainly wouldn't be picking Gloucester City Council. <laughs> you just don't know. Maybe who they refused someone's planning application, so it was revenge. 
<laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Right. Before we wrap up, then, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to, to cover off or anything else that you wanted to discuss? Or um, No, I think just anyone who's sort of listening and sort of looking to get into developments, I think um, all I would say is that um, just remain positive. Um, things in developments, I, I learned quite early on, take weeks and months sometimes years you know not days and I think that you need to be able to sort of you know to get to the good bits you need to be patient uh need I think you need to to look to build a really good power team the people around you that you can rely on to sort of help and and support you and I think we're really lucky that from a cash flow point of view we've got our properties and we've got our SA business that supports that so I think it's identifying as well that you're going to need um somebody to help you uh, through the dark days with the developments because um it does come in peaks and troughs but it's it is it's so interesting and it really is rewarding so i'll just say just stick at it for sure couldn't agree more having that right kind of one power team and network around you is key but equally having the right kind of community of support as well so yeah couldn't agree more so yeah really really kind of positive to see how you guys have you've been smashing over the last few years and and fair play i know you guys put a lot of time and effort and hard work into it so yeah it's really nice to see and obviously that you guys are 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 really good people as well so always uh always rooting for you guys but yeah thank Thank you very much for coming on mike and uh interested to see how you get on with your part hotel and and everything else watch this space yeah thank you very much no it's been great nice to catch up thank you tom